What's up? What's up? Good morning. Good evening. Good night. Hell, don't matter what time it is. It's always beer clock on my watch. My name is Cuauhtémoc Núñez and this is El Tejano Down Under. to another episode of El Tejano Down Under. Hope y'all doing well, coping through this pandemic, uh, keeping safe, and washing your hands. Because, I mean, come on, if you ain't washing your hands, really, you need some help in your personal hygiene. That is probably the beginning of your problem. But, hell, uh, don't worry about me. I ain't here to judge you. But anyway, so today, I just wanted to talk about the buildup and also the first couple weeks that I was uh, first in Melbourne. So, like I said, the other episode, I've been here for about six years now. And hell, uh, I know y'all probably thinking, shoot, who leaves the United States of America, even more like Texas, to come live in a country called Australia? I know for sure when I first heard we were moving to Australia, I think I was about maybe 12 years old, probably in the sixth grade. And I thought to myself, shoot, where is Australia? Like, don't they got all kind of dangerous animals or like, dangerous uh, insects and spiders and all that sort of stuff my initial reaction was oh man we're moving to the desert what and then my next reaction was wait do they speak english in australia like what language do they speak are they gonna do i have to learn a whole new language or or what's the deal so first thing i did was look up australia and what do you know the first thing that shows up is the sydney opera house and I remember watching Finding Nemo and the Sydney Opera House was in that, in that movie. And I thought, oh man, we're going to the set of Finding Nemo. What is this going to be like? The next thing I see is uh, Uluru or Ayers Rock, the giant rock in the middle of Australia. And I said, oh, whoa, how is there two differences? Like the two extremes, you know, you go from Sydney Opera House to Uluru. It's like, oh, like maybe if I drive an hour from the Sydney Opera House, maybe Uluru is just there or something just out there in the middle of nowhere. Like, I didn't re realize how big Australia was until I actually got here. But the hardest part was the actual build-up to before we came to Australia. And so having to live my life knowing that I'm moving to Australia, the thing was that I didn't know when because with the visas and everything, it was a long, difficult process for my parents to actually get all the visas and there was a lot of going back and forth and of course the time zones were different from Houston and Melbourne or Canberra wherever the actual uh, consulates are but but after about the fourth year or sorry the second year I thought oh maybe we're not going I don't know seems like it's been two years I done forgot about this Australia already like, I was just continuing my own life, like nothing was going to happen, or I was just going to stay in Houston forever. I think it was probably, I want to say, 
late 2015, we got news that our visas were accepted and that we were permanent residents officially. And so um, the only thing we were waiting for was for my sister to graduate high school. And at that time, I was in the 10th grade. And so I was doing my sophomore year in, in Texas. And so my sister was a senior at that time. And so we were going to wait for her to, to graduate. Oh, wait, I think. Wait, did I say 2015? No, I meant 2013. Because I came to Australia in 2014. So in no way it could have been 2015. But anyway, from that time that we got the news, you know, I was just sort of mentally preparing myself. Or to be honest, I didn't even know what the hell to think. Because I was like, whoa. I never moved before, and it was such a strange concept for me because moving houses, you can pack boxes, you can take all your furniture and whatever, whatever you got up in your house. But if you're moving countries, all you can pack is just two suitcases, and that's it. And so in that time, I, I didn't realize that. And even just the months leading up to it, just all the crap that we had to throw away or give away, you know, you don't realize how much stuff you have until you have to move house. And I can remember all this, all this stuff that happened, like leading up to like probably the month or the, like the weeks before we actually left. And so we used to live in a little apartment because I have uh, in my family were a total of eight. And I have five other siblings, and so I'm number two. So leaving that three-bedroom apartment where I had to share a room with my two younger brothers and my sisters, all three of them had to share a room. You know, I thought it was, I never realized how crammed we were until we actually left. And I could see that we were in a little can of sardines, basically. I also didn't realize how much of the world there was out there. Because as far as I knew, I didn't really travel too much growing up. You know, we didn't have that kind of money to go on vacation every year. Or all that kind of stuff that you sort of see in this American picture. That, or the American dream, I should say. But I remember the last few nights before we left. We were going to people's houses pretty much almost every night. And we were eating dinner. And just saying goodbye to all of our friends and family. And it was all just like... Uh, it was all sort of... It was just, how do I say, it was, it was pretty much a blur from from there. And really, I don't remember too much of it, but I just remember running around everywhere and and saying goodbye. But it was weird because I knew I was leaving, and I figured maybe I'll see you again one day, maybe not. I don't know, and there was a lot of uncertainty in the air. And so it was quite strange, really. And so I sort of took it with a grain of salt, and I was like, yeah, see you guys. I mean, catch y'all later. But I remember the day of the flight was pretty scary because it was the last day there in Houston. And it was very bittersweet because of the fact that there was, like I said before, it was a lot of uncertainty. And also the fact that I liked Houston. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was just trusting my parents at that point. I was trusting that they knew. But little did I know that they didn't know what the hell we were going to either. And I knew that we had 
a house already over there and that people from our the church that we were going to be um, going to, that they had helped set it up and furnish it and whatnot. And I remember one of my siblings asking my dad, are we going to have, am I going to have a bed when we get there? And of course we didn't know, so what can you say? And so, you know, I thought the same thing too. Like, dang, are we going to have, am I going to have a bed? Is there going to be anything in the house? And there was no answers to any of my questions. And so we just had to figure out once we got there. I hardly remember the plane ride, though. I just know that we flew with Air New Zealand and shit. They're really good, I'll tell you that. And if you ever do any international traveling from Australia to the U.S. or U.S. to Australia, definitely take Air New Zealand. Um, but I remember arriving in Australia and the people that were picking us up. And I remember that initial thought that I had when I first heard we were coming to Australia. It's like, what language do they speak? Of course, by then I knew that they spoke English, but I knew they had there was an Australian accent. And my perception of an Australian accent was way off from what I thought it actually was. And so when we were greeted by these people, the first thing that stuck out to me, or the first thing they said was, how you going? And... I thought, what do you mean, how am I going? Like, you're taking me, right? Like, we're going to our house, right? Like, I'm I'm going in your car, right? And it was at that point, I was like, and it just kept going through my head, like, how you going? I was like, what? How? What? It just didn't comprehend through my mind. And I was like, I just had like a brain fart. I had like a mental breakdown in the middle of the place, middle of the airport. And I was like, oh. If this is the beginning of how the, I hear the language, then man, I'm going to have such a hard time. And then the next thing that threw me off was the fact that the driver's seat is on the right side of the car and they drive on the left side of the road. And I was over here trying to get into the driver's seat and I was like, hold on a second, what? I ain't driving here. I, I don't even know. I was like, what? And then when we actually got on the road, it was, it was scary because I got to sit in the, in the front and man, I was like, whoa, I was kind of dodging. Like, I felt like I was in a roller coaster almost because it was just such a strange feeling driving on the wrong side of the road, really. Because in the States, you know, we drive on the right side of the road and that is the right side of the road, you know what I'm saying? And so having to sit and and ride in the left side of the road, I was like, whoa, this is... My brain was still recovering from the language and how I was spoken to. And then now i got to tune my brain to this other thing of driving on the left side of the road. And I can remember just sitting in there because it was about an hour, hour or so to our house from the airport. And so I, I, I remember having like keep looking. Out, I, was, I kept looking outside thinking there was going to be kangaroos everywhere. And... I was very, very disappointed to not see a single kangaroo because it was obviously because it's the city and there's no kangaroos that hop through the city. And so, it, honestly, it took me a good six months before I actually saw a real kangaroo. But anyway, we get to the house and there was some miscommunication somewhere 
and my dad didn't sign a certain document because we were um, on the airplane and our house didn't have electricity when we got there and we arrived on like I believe it was a Saturday or Friday afternoon I think and so it was already late and the electricity company was closed for the weekend and so we didn't have electricity for that whole first weekend that we were there in that house or in Melbourne in Australia and so literally we had to get an extension cord and luckily the neighbors next to us were really nice and they let us borrow um, some electricity for the weekend until we could get our own and they're like oh well you need a you need a TV and so someone brought us a TV and they brought us firewood because luckily that house had a fireplace and so we were all snuggled up there in that room that had the fireplace for the whole weekend and of course we were all jet lagged and we're waking up at like two or three o'clock in the morning and we're like whoa where are we uh, I know myself I was like shit I was like where, where the hell am I and I just kept waking up I couldn't I could barely even sleep like thinking like what is this place or where where are we and I just remembered that we had one of those like um I think it was probably like a camping kettle and you filled it up with water and it would boil over the fire and we were there making hot chocolates and coffee and and this thing called Milo and to this day, I still don't even know what it is, but it's some kind of like drink mix that they have here. It's kind of like, it's not even chocolate. It's just like some brown stuff you put in your milk. And apparently it's healthy for you. But I don't even know if you ask me about it. I can't tell you because I, I don't know what it is. But anyway, I just remember being there. And then one thing that really threw me off was this animal that I heard. And... It was very strange. It was sort of, it made this noise of like a monkey. You know, I'm not going to imitate it right now because uh, rip headphone users. Uh, I don't want to blow any eardrums, but it was a very high-pitched sort of monkey, monkey-esque sounding noise. And I would hear it in the mornings because obviously I was still jet lagged. I was up at like in the early hours of the morning. And it was really scary because I said to myself, I was like, man, is there monkeys here too? I didn't know there was monkeys in Australia. I thought monkeys were only in Africa. And so hearing that noise, I figured, oh boy, no, no. This Australia is a lot scarier than I thought it was. You know, I thought there were just deadly snakes and deadly spiders, but deadly monkeys? No, this can't be. But I... I I go through a couple of days of hearing these and I look outside and there was still, I couldn't see nothing. There was no monkeys, no nothing, no animals that fit the description of the sound that I was hearing. And lo and behold, I asked somebody about it and they said, oh, that's the, those are the kookaburras. And I was like, who? I was like, excuse me, what'd you just call me? And he said, no, no, the kookaburra. I was like, come again? Kookaburra, he said, slower. And I said, what's that? He said, it's a bird. I was like, what? So, you know, of course me, I like researching everything. And so I Googled this kookaburra. Man, it's an ugly ass bird, I'll tell you that. But it's very unique because it's got a big,
big ass beak and a big ass head and I don't know it's just it's it's a unique bird and I can't even I can't even comprehend it either till, till still to this day and how it makes that noise that sounds like a monkey and so that was definitely one thing that tripped me the hell out in my first um during my the first week that I was living, that we first came to Australia. I'll be honest with y'all though, Australians, they got it right. They got that perfect balance of work, life, and travel, leisure, whatever you want to call it. Because literally they're the most laid back people like I've ever met. And all they say is no worries. And at first I was thinking like, no worries. <laughs> all right, sure. I mean, I guess I can probably get around that. It sounds a bit funny when you say it. But now that when people say no worries, I'm like, all right, sweet. No problems then. All good for me. I ain't tripping then. But yeah, I figured I'd share that with y'all. I've been thinking about it a lot lately since I've been in quarantine. You know, I've been chilling here, just thinking about life, contemplating all kinds of stuff, having all these memories flash back. And so it's good to sort of flush the mind and keep it keep it going and so that's been one of the things I've been doing is just remembering all the all the fun times all the shit times I've had and all the times that I I hope to come you know especially but anyway I think it's time to do our new Spanish word of the day so let's have a look here what what is in my immediate uh all right here we go this one's Probably not as useful, but you never know. You could be somewhere in a Spanish-speaking country and you might be hungry. Because, I mean, look, 10 times out of 10, you're going to be hungry if you're in a Spanish-speaking country, Latino, Hispanic, it don't matter where it's at. Um, so, I'll teach you the phrase how to ask for food or to tell someone I'm hungry. Is So, to say I'm hungry... You say, tengo hambre. Alright, so it's two words. Tengo hambre. So, tengo means I, like I have. And then, second word is hambre, which is hunger. And so, you mix two together. It comes out to be, I'm hungry. And so, tengo is T-E-N-G-O. It's like tango, but with an E. So, instead of saying tango, you say tengo. So it's a very slight, slight little difference there. But, and then the second word is hambre. It's kind of like harambe, but without the second A. So you say hambre. All right, so tengo hambre. Or if you just get confused, just say tengo harambe. And I'm sure someone will uh, hear the confusion in you and be like, I think he means hunger, because I don't know if many people know about harambe. And so I think, They'll probably think that they'll obviously know you're a tourist or something. So they say, ah, that boy hungry. So they'll probably help you find some food or whatever. But yeah, I think I think that'll be pretty useful because, you know, Cerveza in our last episode was very useful for a couple of my listeners. So um, shout out to them for giving me that feedback. And also, um, I hope you'll see my brand new logo because, man, it looks freaking amazing. That I could not have imagined something like that looking that great. But this is a very high quality podcast, so I can only 
expect the highest quality work. So shout out to my friend Nick Rich. He hooked me up with his artwork. You know, if you need anything, logos, artwork, or just want some cool cool pictures to frame in your house, hit up my boy on Instagram. His Instagram is nick.rich.art. Again, that's nick, N-I-C-K, dot rich, R-E-C-H, dot art on Instagram. Hit him up. He's a really cool dude. Been a friend of mine since I came here to Australia. Hopefully one day I'll get him up here on the podcast too so y'all can y'all can see how chill he is. But yeah, guys, I think I think that'll do it for me this this week. So hope you enjoyed this second episode because I, I'm really enjoying this whole podcast thing. And you know, it's 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 a new experience for me. And I've also got a lot of things planned, a lot of cool things to talk about. And so look, this is just the beginning. So if y'all hear from the beginning, you know. It's only going to get better, I'll tell you that. But anyway, y'all take care and be easy. This is El Tejano Down Under, signing off.